Welcome to Dogsthorpe Infant School Launchpad. Stand by for action. This is your captain speaking. We've been cleared for departure. OK, Eddie, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. This podcast is brought to you by Eddie Edster, the Dogsthorpe Infant School Wellbeing Dog. Yes, welcome back to Eddie's Launchpad. It's the Dogsthorpe Infant School podcast for parents, teachers and schools. Thank you for joining us again. On the Launchpad, Margaret Rook. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Thank you so much. My daughter had done very well at primary school, actually. She'd seemed to thrive. And when she got to secondary school, she stopped she stopped learning and um, that made me wonder what was going wrong, whether they were, you know, what was she just generally unhappy? Was the school chaotic, which is what she was saying. And so I um, was doing some sorting out and throwing away of stuff at home. And I found a poster she'd made in anti-bullying week, maybe when she was 10 or 11. And the slogan on it was tell an adult and she'd spelt adult wrong. And it suddenly occurred to me, oh my goodness, she might be dyslexic. It had never occurred to me before because she'd always seemed to do so well. So we got her tested and she was, and um, she'd always been quite a dynamic person and I wanted her I, what I didn't want was to, for her to feel she had this label and that she wouldn't be able to progress with her life in any way she wanted. I didn't want her to feel, you know, that she couldn't follow whatever dreams she had. So that's why I started writing. I started interviewing uh, and writing books um, about people with dyslexia. I wanted to show her that she could still, you know, achieve whatever she wanted to achieve. So I think the most important thing is to make sure that when children or teenagers leave school, they leave with a level of self-confidence that enables them to approach adult life in a way that will help them succeed in whatever they want to do. There, there was some research done in America that showed that adults with dyslexia who define themselves as successful, they put down their success to focusing on their strengths more than making good their weaknesses. And I think that's really important. I also think obviously, and they think it's really important to do as very best you can at school and children with dyslexia will have to work harder. And, you know, there's so much you can't do now if you don't pass your English and maths GCSE, for example. So it's really, really important that, um, that that children do all they can and parents and teachers help them do all they can. But focusing on your strengths is seen to be absolutely vital. 
finding out what that niche is in your life that you thrive in, that you're really good at, that the way your brain works helps you do really well at, and keeping that as a real core focus for you. How did your daughter get on later in life? Did did she go on to greater things having found out that she had got dyslexia? Well, actually, she did. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have put money on it all the time. But no, she did. She decided um, she didn't want to go to university and that she couldn't deal with any more education. But she kind of educated herself and she she set up a supply chain, um, went to China, amazingly, was supported by the Prince's Trust to set up a business and did very well. And um, she's now um, not working for herself. She's working for a fashion company and absolutely loving it. So um, I think that, yeah, that keeping someone's level of confidence high is just so important. And when your brain works in a way that doesn't suit the education system, when what you're really good at isn't part of the school curriculum. So like my daughter says, she left school not knowing what a supply chain was. And so many young people now do set up businesses on Etsy or, you know, wherever. And yet the curriculum, for one, the curriculum hasn't kept up with what's happening in real life. But for two, Um, the things she struggles with means that exams are harder and you know spelling is harder and focusing um, and 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 her mind working at the pace of some teachers who talk very quickly say it's all much much harder so you know when someone has had that experience in education what's so important is that they have also they also know that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve in the outside world. And that's what I wanted for her and for others like her. It's very important that um, there's a very clever man called Neil Alexander Passe, who is a Senko and an author. And I was talking to him once about uh, children with dyslexia. And he said, um, a higher percentage of architects than you would expect are dyslexic and a higher percentage of prisoners than you would expect are dyslexic. So how do you make sure your child becomes an architect and not a convict? That's the question, that's the burning question. And for him, the answer is really simple. And he says that really disappoints people. And which is to, um, which is to focus on what your children, what the effort your children are making and not the, their achievements. And I think that's really hard because I think school these days can be incredibly competitive. It can be really competitive for children and it can be really competitive for parents in the playground. And there's so much focus on results, on SATs. And um, I think that's probably increased actually over the past few years. And um, you know, it, what we need to do is look at our children, uh, each as in their own individual way. We need to see the effort they're putting in. And, um, you know, they are going to be completely different individuals from their friend or 
the other another person or someone I don't know getting all a stars that's not who they are but they have their own gifts and their own talents and you know we must we must keep praising them for that we must keep drawing attention to that because that's one way we can help them shine my last book was called you can change the world and that was um it's a book of interviews with everyday teenage heroes in my own words so um so that was a book written because i think that we are very hard on teenagers in this country <laughs> so very different really so um there was um a uh a poll which showed that most adults just use the words selfish, lazy and antisocial to describe teenagers. And I just thought that was really unfair. And so many teenagers are doing so many amazing things. So I interviewed, I mean, just all sorts of amazing teenagers. There was one girl who persuaded um, the supermarkets to stop selling eggs from caged hens, for example someone else who was born with cerebral palsy and he said he was always excluded from football because he wasn't good enough so he set up his own cerebral palsy football team you know so um, I mean just all sorts of amazing teenagers and um, I, I, I wrote that because I thought you know there's there's so much focus on difficulties with mental health and we all know that teenagers are really influenced by their friends and quite often you think, oh, that's going to be really terrible. What if their friends are taking drugs or blah, blah, blah. But in fact, what if their friends are amazing? What if their friends are doing really inspiring fundraising or volunteering? And that's what my book was about. It's showing how many amazing teenagers are out there. Almost everyone, like the really successful people I interviewed for my first book, who, you know, who are well-known businessmen or were well-known or businesswomen or um, well-known actors or whatever they do the kids in the book about dyslexia and the teenagers in the book you can change the world often what they needed was an adult on their side you know who believed in them and that could be a parent or a teacher and it could be an auntie or an uncle um, you know it could it, it was someone who saw that they were more than a problem that, that they presented with, you know, who saw who they were behind all that and, and basically gave them the confidence. If they were going to school every day thinking I'm gonna fail because everything I'm good at isn't being covered by my lessons today, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna get any praise today basically. People aren't going to notice those tiny, tiny steps forward I make in my work. And I'm going to leave feeling rubbish. But there's someone who's saying, you know, there's, you know, you can do just fine. I have full faith in you. And is, is there behind them? And um, we can all be that person. We, all, we can all be that person. I'm sure that some of what you've been saying links in with the number of, um, of children that are suffering with their 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 well-being at the minute, their mental well-being at the minute, and and what and maybe it's just not that you know they feel they're not reaching those targets that adults, older adults, expect them to reach. So that makes them puts them in in a in a downward spiral. 
Um, not all, not all. That's not, I'm not saying it, it causes all mental illness in young people, but there must be statistics must prove that some of it mm. is about the pressures they're feeling through not jumping through the hoops that adults expect them to jump through. I think what you're saying does make sense. Yeah. So the first one I wrote was called Creative Successful Dyslexic. So that was interviews with all sorts of people from um, Zoe Wanamaker, um, David Bailey. Um, I mean, all sorts of people with dyslexia who most of whom are, are really well known. Um, and, um, and I asked them about how they managed to succeed when they had dyslexia. And they, so that, that was really interesting because they talked to me about the, the really big difficulties they'd had and the way they'd managed to do really well. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, one of the ways was having someone on their side, almost always. Mm. So, um, that, so that was my first book. My second one is called, is called Dyslexia is My Superpower Most of the Time. So... Um, dyslexia is my superpower is what a quote from one of the kids in the book um, he's saying you know being dyslexic my mind works in a in a particular way and that helps me do all these different things and I work as hard as I can at school but I'm still really excited because you know I'm going to do this and this and this when I grow up so he was really excited about the benefits of dyslexia um, and the most of the time part of the title, of course, is because dyslexia can be a total struggle. And um, so, yes. And then my third one was the book about teenagers. You can change the world. If people want to get hold of any of these books or all of them, where, where's the best place to go, Margaret? Well, they can go to Waterstones or their local bookshop or they can look online. And my uh, website is margaretrook.com, so, but Rook's got an E. Well, don't worry if you didn't get that, listeners. It'll be attached to the podcast. So all you have to do is look into the text and, and click on the relevant link and it will take you to, to, the, to the places you need to be and to the, the books that Margaret's been talking about. Margaret, thank you for your time today. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, where can they go? Via the website, I guess? Yeah, they could go via the website on uh, Twitter um, or Instagram. I am at Margs Rook, M-A-R-G-S-R-O-O-K-E. Everyone is interesting. That's the truth. That's the truth about life. Everyone is interesting. And so another great episode is coming to an end. Thank you all for listening. Dogsthorpe Infant School Launchpad. Dream, believe and shine. Thank <laughs> you.